Hey, hey, this is Soma79 with a special announcement. My new Mega Mix is up. My MSD Mega Mix Oxidation Moons Day is now available. Go to www.soma79.com slash doom to check it out. It's a 30-minute mix that I did of MF Doom raps over my own beats. I really enjoy it. I hope you really enjoy it. So check it out. Tell a friend. Peace. Welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so, 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 so much for joining me today. I am super excited. This is the first episode of 2024, and um, I couldn't have started off on a better note. We have um, Cherise Smith and Will Deloney of the film Sticker Movie, which is absolutely awesome. It's premiering in New York City on the weekend on January 12th, 13th, and 14th. Um, I will be there on the 13th at the uh, 3 o'clock showing. I already have my ticket, so if you see someone who looks like me, feel free to come by and say hello, and I'll probably have some stickers on me. Speaking of which, here's a bunch of my stickers that I want to give away to you. So go follow at Soma79 on Instagram and follow at Sticker Movie on Instagram and then tag me in one of my photos or one of whatever and just let me know, hey, stickers, I want them. And then I'll pick a winner, pick a few winners, and I'll mail you all out a sticker pack of um, all of my stickers, and I have a lot of them. So Sticker Movie is amazing. It's a film that um, Will and Cherise have been working on for a few years, and I just love it. I've seen the first four minutes of it. It's all about the history of sticker culture, like I'm sure. You walk down the street, you see stickers like this slapped up all over the place, and you wonder how they got there. This is the, sto the story of that, and they tell it beautifully. They, their, their previous work, too, which we talk a little bit on this episode, is also absolutely amazing. I love these two. It's so cool to meet people who just have the same passion as I do for, for things that, I guess, to other people seem pretty trivial, but to us are super important and really make our days worth living. So thank you, Sharice uh, and Will, for bringing some joy to the world, for bringing some joy to me, and bringing some joy to this podcast. And definitely check out Sticker Movie. Go to Sticker Movie.com and uh, check it out in New York City on January 12th, 13th, or 14th. And then, you know, it's going to go somewhere after that. This movie's going to live forever. So, um, all right, check out the interview. Peace. And with wings clips, quick to flip manuscripts. Because her man went from damaged kid to damn, he's rich. But she still can't stand the way he manages to never put nickels in the can for the cancer kids. Plus, he cheats at corn, holding rags that he won. So she lost interest like porno after she comes. My DM started jingling, baby, as it was done. Two seconds later, I can hear the snapping of her gums. She calls me half Dodge Challenger, half Lip Gallagher. Right, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so, so, so much for joining me. I'm super excited about this episode we are starting off the new year in a fun and exciting way we have Sharice Smith and Will Deloney talking about uh Sticker Movie which is a movie that they are working on and a production writing all that standpoint I got to watch about four minutes of it today it is amazing it is already premiered in Portland Oregon it is premiering in New York City on January 12th 13th and 14th there will be a bunch of showings we'll go into all of the details how are you both doing today Doing great. It's Saturday. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for bringing us on the show. Thank you for thank you for being here. 
Yeah, doing great as well. Thanks. Thanks again. We uh, we appreciate you having us on. Thank you. Awesome. So I went a little bit down the wormhole on both of your previous work, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Cherie's your film Strive, and we'll talk about Crappy Killer, uh, Will, later on, but let's get right into Sticker Movie, because this really blew me away, and I, I said before, we're talking all three of um, those things I just mentioned, they're all very different things, and they all bring out these different, I don't know, they all appeal to me in different ways, but Sticker Movie really tied it together. I'm a big hip-hop fan, I'm a big artist myself, as you can see behind me, I love doing art. I've never put a sticker up in public, because I've always been too much of a wuss, so what is it about sticker culture? What, what, what do you learn about these sticker artists and talking to them and getting to know them on, on more of a day-to-day day, day basis? And, and how does that feed into the film? Well, you go first. <laughs> so much. Um, where to start? But I mean, I, I think, you know, we interviewed 88 plus artists from 22 different countries um and you know everybody's doing it for a different reason and what really kind of stuck out to me was just the love of stickers first and foremost um and then just how passionate the community is that are part of the sticker culture um you know everybody's excited about stickers and they're excited about stickers for different reasons there's people that you know are just slap taggers and all they want to do is get their sticker up as as many places as possible so that they're getting their name or their character their sticker um, viewed by as many people as possible and in as many cities as possible and there's kind of some graffiti elements to that and trying to go all city. Um, but then there's the people that, you know, they'll spend days working on one single sticker that they're hand drawing and putting in all this detail and attention to. Um, so it, it, it was just really interesting to kind of see so many different approaches but the love of stickers is what kind of brings all of these different people together. Yeah, same for sure. Um, the love of stickers. And also, I know that I have a problem of not to minimize anybody's you know struggles, but I really have a problem with I have too many stickers, even though I put stickers up every time I go outside. Um, I, I have a problem and I'm a little addicted to them. They call them sticker heads or sticker fiends or sticker addicts, whatever. And it was kind of nice to know that I'm not the only one <laughs> and that it's almost like a compulsion. Like it, when I don't go out and put stick, I love to put stickers up. I love to also get new stickers. So when I'm not trading, when my hands haven't touched something new, when I'm not interacting with them in a certain way, I get like the itch and like I, like I, I have to just, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. And I thought it was just me. I didn't know there were so many other people that love it a little too much <laughs> and how it sort of like invades other areas of life where you can't like walk down the street without noticing them or walk down the street sometimes putting one up um, or taking a picture depending upon what your little thing is that you're into. But um, a lot of us have similar experiences and I don't call them struggles, but passions. And so... Um, that was part of what, like Will said, the love, and that's also another part of it. 
um, the the addiction to it, the impulse, the impulse that you get to interact with stickers, get new stickers, collect new stickers, put them up, photograph them, whatever your thing is. It's something that you just can't kind of control. It kind of, it's like an itch. <laughs> it's just so something. What you do you say to someone like me, who I have this box here, my little Run DMC sock box, that my friend nice. gave me Run DMC socks. It unfortunately didn't fit. My stickers do fit in here. I'm one of those people who, this is overflowing with stickers. I don't like putting them on things. So I have like sticker anxiety. Because I'm like, oh, what if there's like a better place? And is there is that a psychological condition that you guys um, ran into during the course of this movie? Oh, yeah, I have it. Um, <laughs> shout out to Change. We talked about it. Um, some people some people have that, especially like if it's like a hand-drawn or if it's like a very rare one that you want yeah. every minute. Um, yeah, I have one black. I have like, I don't want to say how many boxes like that. But um. I only have one black book and it's not even full. And it's been, I've been working on that black book for years. I don't want to say how long, but it's been a minute because I'm so anal. But when I'm putting up in the street, it's just, you know, I just put yeah. them up. But uh, it's you know, like, I, I have like these, these like thumbs, like doom, sparkly, like gorgeous, like Ooh. stickers. And it's like, how do you put that somewhere? It's like, I want to frame them. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like the, the point you guys make um, in the, in the few clips in the clips that I saw, but it being art is, is true. And it is, it's interesting. I don't really, I don't, I never really thought of it that way. How it really is like a gallery walking by and how much attention of mine it does really pull that I, I do pay so much attention to things. And I'm one of these people who, if I see a sticker, I'll go and Google it. Cause I just, my curiosity just has to know. And if somebody gets something witty in front of my eyes, then I'm going to spend some time looking it down and chasing it down. I think that's one of the cool things about it. It's like, there are still these little, there's so much about life now that it's corporatized and so much about Subway in every block and like a Starbucks in every block. So when you see anything that sticks out anymore, like I still remember distinctly, I went to school in Boston on Mass Ave. There was a little, um, there was a little Mega Man that was made out of these little tiles that I remember this day as one of my best memories. And I wrote a script in my script in film school was about, it was called Taggers. And it was about somebody who was putting up tiley stickers as like, you know, I literally forgot about that. We'll just start talking about it a minute ago. So I guess my sticker stuff goes pretty deep too. But um, speaking of which, let me get this plug over here quickly. Um, if you go, I have some stickers here, a bunch of mine. I'll send them out to you people. If you go and follow at Soma79 on Instagram and follow, is it at Sticker Movie? Is that? Okay, that'll be on the Correct. screen the whole time. So follow those and then tag me on my post and I'll send you a bunch of my stickers and all that stuff and whatever. I'll probably send them to a couple people. I got plenty of these, so I've been printing them out for years. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how this film started. You, you said that it started during quarantine, um, that during the uh, time of COVID, which is oddly enough, that's when my film started too. It was a lot of me sitting around going, what am I going to do with myself in a small apartment going, I got to do something like um what how did they kind of, how did the ball get rolling for you and was did, did the fact that we were under quarantine make it an easier proposition or a harder one so uh the first part of your question i mean part of you know sticker culture is trading um where artists trade stickers and they trade packs of stickers and you know there's certain you know unspoken and some are spoken rules of like when you trade stickers and this kind of goes to your point just earlier like when you trade stickers there's an understanding that you will take some of their stickers and put them up in the street so you know you're obligated obligated to a certain degree or you know are supposed to be 
to do that. And that's kind of the foundation for international street art and how artists in other countries can get their work up and all over the world. Um, well, first of so, all, hold on a second. I just want to apologize to all the people who sent me stickers that are in that box that I did not know I was supposed <laughs> to do that with. But I'll be going through and um, look for me in them streets. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, and part of it is a learning process. It's a very, uh, you know, there's no barrier to entry. And so as a sticker artist, you learn as you go. And that's sort of part of the fun and part of the appeal of it is that it's there's there's no gallery rules of how you have to create the art and how the art gets submitted and, you know, there's how the art is displayed and, you know, there's... There's no rules per se to kind of getting started in sticker culture, but then you kind of learn kind of what the rules are. I mean, it's, there are no rules and there are rules. Um, but so the way the film got started um, was Agent Five Smith, Sharice and I did a sticker trade and I saw that she had written Strive um, and watched Strive and was like, oh, wow, this is great. Um, and, and that same thing happened to me two days ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 I, I knew there was something, um, you know, I, I knew a documentary story was there. Um, and I knew visually it would be amazing because there's, you just get to see all this great, amazing artwork. Um, but I reached out to agent five Smith after we had done a sticker trade and wanted to kind of see if she would be interested. And she's like, Oh, I've been thinking about a documentary, you know, for a long time as well. Like, let's do this. Um, and so, um, you know, we kind of joined forces uh, I have a documentary background and a production background, and it's something that I've been doing for 20 plus years working on documentaries. Um, and, you know, I she hates when I say this, but I often considered her like kind of the mayor of sticker culture, um, <laughs> where a lot of people look to Agent Five Smith for advice on exactly what we're just talking about. Like if I trade, what does a trade look like? Um, and so I, you know, really um, was interested in, in working with her as a writer and getting her expertise in sticker culture um, to kind of help build the outline and figure out what the story was that we were going to tell. So how do you respond to that? Because clearly you did not, you did not like being called the mayor. Because I'm not. <laughs> well, it's so sweet. I am not. Um, there are mayors. Chris Robots will kill. I will not. Love from NYC because I'm kind of new relatively. Like there's people who've been trading stickers for 25, 30 years. Um, and in this culture, way before Instagram was a thought, like my, before like, MySpace days, like AOL days, Flickr, like um, building their own websites to trade stickers. And so I'm a relatively like in the middle of this, like I'm not. So there were times where I didn't know stuff and like I would reach out to I will not or I'll reach out to love from NYC or I'll get checked in the comment section. I'm like, oh, my bad. It was stuff I didn't know. 
you know, and like to Will's good point is that you learn and you learn by messing up, honestly. Um, what, are, what are the common mistakes that people make? Oh my God. I think the biggest one is thinking that it's okay to take stickers. And full disclosure, I have taken two stickers in my home. <laughs> I mean, take like take stick when it's already up and like put it on your notebook. You cannot, or you're not supposed to take stickers in the street. There are people, I'm not going to call them out, but you know, people know there are people who've written books about sticker art by taking stickers down. And you shouldn't do that um, unless it's with the artist's consent. And the, the times, one, rest in peace. Um, there are people who, who like literally go out with like spray or go out with some kind of solvent. I don't know how they do this. And they take down perfectly good stickers to collect them and put them in a book um, without the artist's knowledge, without their consent. And it's not okay. And we talk about that in the film because they're called sticker stealers. I call them just like, you know, so it's a little selfish. At least get the artist's permission or ask them for a trade or support them. You know, a lot of the artists sell their work. It's not hard. It's like if you, you, it should be pretty easy to track a sticker back to a person. And they, that person has 10,000 of those stickers sitting right next to them, dying to give them to people. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's not always malicious. Sometimes right. people just don't know. Just don't and know. then when you find out, cool, that's the biggest mistake is the stealing. But also, you you think like you discovered something new, right? And then so you go and like cover everybody because you want to be seen. That's the second biggest thing I've seen. And people have to learn the hard, hard way especially when it's like a huge ass sticker or one of those thermals, which I personally don't like because they fade so quickly and just covering people, covering graffiti, which is just never do that. Get your ass kicked for that. Or covering other artists or capping or just getting like too close or whatever. Um, so those are the two common mistakes I see people make. Uh, so I saw in some of the material you sent me that you touched with, you talked with people in 23 different countries for a sticker movie. How, how sounds, did that come about? And what, what did you learn about the differences? Not to get too much away from the movie because everybody should see it, but you know, what did, what do you learn from the, from the differences in cultures around the world and, and that stuff? I'll say this really quick and then I'll I'll pass it over to you, Sharice. But um and this kind of was in your first question, but the pandemic uh, you know, really forced our hand as to how we approached production. Um, we knew we weren't going to be able to go all over the world and do in-person interviews, even if we had a budget, which we didn't. Um, we weren't going to be able to do that because of COVID protocol. And just, you know, at the time, you know, productions, you were supposed to, everybody in the room was supposed to be tested and there wasn't going to be any type of budget where we could do anything like that. So, Pretty, you know, early on in the process, we knew that we were going to have to embrace like a remote kind of production workflow. Um, and that lended itself to kind of allowing artists to remain anonymous for those that wanted to remain anonymous. But it also really opened up the doors so that we could do interviews with people that were anywhere, you know, as long as they had, you know, an Internet connection. Um, and so that, you know, really lent its hand to interviewing people all over the world. It is amazing how much that brief period where forcing everybody to learn how to use Zoom 
so paid off in the long run because even I found with my podcast, there's so many people who I just know if this was pre-pandemic, they never would have got rid of the got past the barrier of downloading Zoom. It would have been too complicated for them. But it's like it has really for me opened up an entire world of new people. And it's to your point too about the film. It's like I'm collaborating with people I never thought I would. You guys are as well. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, it it really. Uh, forced the lens of what does work look like you know remotely and there's just so many great things that came from that um you know what we're talking about is one of them but there, there's just like there's so many examples of where working remotely is actually more efficient um and and again you know this this is an example of that but yeah i mean if there are good things to come out of the pandemic i would say this is one of them i have a day job that i work at for a, a fairly well-known um, media company that i sit right here and do it and it's like a never never a bad day it's you know every day is is still better than my uh, worst day here is better than my my best day sitting in my old office you know yeah, hundred percent, man, for sure. So the international aspect of it, um, how how did that come about, and what did you learn from that? Yeah, so the main the main learning was that um, we're not so different as I thought. Um, there were certain questions that we asked, like, "What is the sticker scene like in your city, um, in your town?" Um, the main difference was obviously, and I think it's the same across the board, no matter what country you're in. If you're in a small town, you don't get up as much or you don't have as much um, flicks outdoors or as much as many opportunities to create huge combos or because they'll know it's you <laughs> and, and it's a small town. But um, other than that, it was pretty much the same across the board. And a lot of the things that I thought would be different weren't. Um, one of my favorite interviews was in Greek with Pro Heroes, which was a, a bitch to translate, but worth it because he said so many things that I felt about um, having freedom after you leave your nine to five and working on art and getting up and just forgetting about all your problems, even getting up with your kid and your friends and just like it's like your safe, happy space just to like sort of just connect with art. Just Dear Joy. About, yeah, to forget about the pressures of life for a minute. Um, and so that was pretty much across the board. People just found like so much freedom and so much solace in, in the sticker art, whether it was putting it up or creating it in their house or meeting up with friends or going to a sticker show or a cipher. I call it cipher or whatever they call it. Um, when you're just sitting around drawing or trading, it's just that's that commonality was like throughout all countries, uh, we have that in common. And so that was my main learning is that we're not really different. We just all love the same thing. We just different nationalities, different places in the world. 
Someone pointed out to me a few years ago that hip-hop is really one of the biggest cultural gifts to the world that America has given in, like, a long time. If you think of, like, art forms, it's it's an American art form, you know, came from New York City, you know, and it's essentially grown across the entire world. And I, when I've visited other parts of the world, I've seen exactly what you're saying, where it's like, when I get in touch with the hip-hop community there, I feel like I'm at home, because it's like, they're kind of doing something that started in my backyard to some degree. And that's one of the... Like that's something that as I've traveled abroad over the years, I've seen change more and more. And it's a really beautiful thing. It's, it's nice to be able to like so much about being an American abroad sometimes comes with some negatives, but it's nice. I've never found that because I've, I've always found that part of my culture over there and people have always been cool with it. So it's nice to be on the good side. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I agree. Um, and, you know, I, I would even argue that, you know, sticker art is, you know, came from hip hop to a certain degree. Um, and, you know, it's that form of expression where, you know, again, there's no, there's no boundary to it. And you can kind of look to a community that you relate to. And it's almost a support system of like, these are people that have common interests that align with what I believe in. And even if your politics are different and, and hip hop's great about this, I mean, you can kind of look past certain, you know, differences, whether they're political or religious um, and can come together to kind of enjoy something, an art form and expression um, together and that's something that I, I agree with you completely. I mean, hip hop's, you know, arguably the best gift America has given our our planet because um, we sure find other ways to shit on it. <laughs> Remember that when you think of all the other stuff we give. Yeah. Hip hop too. Yeah. Um, so I, we should have probably done this a little bit at the top, but let's talk a little bit about the details of the premiere, just so people know where that they can actually get tickets, where it is, and all that stuff. Um, so January 12th and the 14th, um, where is it going to be? On the Brooklyn Art House, uh, BK Art House in Williamsburg, Marcy Avenue. Uh, we make it very simple. It's sticker movie, stickermovie.com has everything you need to know. Uh, shout out to Ricky, um, our co-producer, who also design our beautiful website that makes it nice and easy on the homepage it just says buy tickets here so you just click that and buy the tickets yeah. um it's also available at bkr house's uh website and it's not just the screening it's also a gallery show curated by silver tuna studio shout out to cause with an amazing lineup of some legends and some new school legends um, we're very excited about that as well as live q a and vending so it's a full um well-rounded weekends of things surrounding the premiere awesome you're really talking me into being there because i think um i was saying before i'm gonna be in the city later on that week and but i might try to come down a little earlier for this because it sounds like just I, when i watched that four minutes today the first four minutes of it and i saw is it slappy the puppet and i'm like <laughs> i'm like and I, I didn't mention this but i'm actually working on a i did a song with cool keith and esoteric and I'm, I'm making the puppets of them to do it so i just got puppets like that and work with it i'm like these people symbolic oh i i was so into that like it's um 
it's just such a like we've all seen so many documentaries these days that it's like you know documentaries like back 20 years ago when like scratch came out or like and i was just like i'd never seen anything like it so blew me but now there's been a million documentaries like this to see some the first four minutes of this sucked me in so much and i needed to see so much more and i was so sold on it i can't wait to see more of slappy what was the idea behind bringing a muppet into sort of is it hosting or just you know yeah <laughs> the mayor doesn't want to talk about that <laughs> I saw the uh, quote online where you said that wasn't your idea. No. Let me let, let me tell you this really quick. I invited Cool Keith to come to Sticker Movie, um, and he really wanted to come, but he's touring, and he will be. He flies out on the twelfth and won't be able to make it. Um, Wait, so you mentioned you did some work with Keith. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back in the day, uh, I, I worked with Keith on a a few different things. Um, we did his dvd global enlightenment part one uh back in the day and we did a music video for him and uh he was a voice and a character uh i did a documentary about bass and love uh he's he's the best i absolutely love cool keith he's he's my favorite someone um, someone i know who knew him a little bit i think it was word burglar who i had on a few episodes ago said that um when he was every time he's around cool keith he can tell that cool Keith knows that everybody thinks it's, it's cool to be around cool Keith and he gives them the full cool Keith. Like, it's not like, like he's always being like, okay, it's like this, it's like he knows enough to give people the cool Keith experience. Which I think it's so cool whenever I hear, you know, it's like a pro wrestler going into a gimmick, his gimmick when he sees a little kid. And I think that's such a cool, cool thing to hear about him. Like, it's just like the, always the performer, always just kind of knowing what his audience wants. And I love that about him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, the very first thing we did was we went to a diner, um, juniors in Brooklyn and sat down with Keith and we just asked him things like, what do you think about seltzer water? And he would give like a 10 minute answer. Um, and, and when this was the very first time we worked with Keith and we didn't know what to expect because, you know, yeah. he has multiple personas and um you know there's a history there and we, we were like oh is he gonna be in a certain persona but i mean he's he's the best and just getting to like hang out with him and listen to him talk about whatever is super entertaining um so to answer your question about slappy slappy the slap tagger so we we um we did some like early test screenings early on in the process. Um, I think we did two or three um, and we were getting feedback on like stuff that people liked and stuff that people didn't like. And one of the very early notes um, was that, you know, it, 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 the documentary moved a little bit too fast for a lot of people and specifically for people that weren't, in the sticker community or sticker heads there was just some stuff that kind of was like oh whoa that was what was that we're already on to the next topic so um we we knew we needed like a voice to kind of set a number of things up for us um and so we started talking about it and you know if, if we would have had shepherd fairy do it it would have become a shepherd film or if we would have had like a specific artist do it it would have become kind of their film. Um, and yeah, that was a fun something... way to do exposition where it doesn't feel like exposition, sort of. It's... Totally, totally. Um, and so I, I had recently 
uh, done a, a sticker trade with Jim Tozy, um, who uh, was part of Wonder Shows in back in the day, which oh I was a God. huge, a I huge fan. Like Wonder, Wonder Shows. Oh, that, yeah. well, welcome to my future Google search history. I gotta watch those again. I haven't seen that in years. There's a there's a new Instagram account. I guess it's new. I think it's new, but they're doing like just little short clips of things from Wonder Shows, and then it's fantastic. But in in uh, that was 2005, I want to say when that was like on MTV Two, and that, again that was back in the day when DVDs were big. Yeah. And I was living in Ridgewood, Queens at the time, and like my roommates uh, worked at virgin mega store in union square or whatever that was called and so like we got discounted dvds and i remember like coming home with one wonder shows in and like it just blew us away like uh right right off the get-go we're like what is this this is insane this is amazing um so i i did a sticker trade with with jim and um and so the it was fresh on my mind where it was like well we do have we do have this guy who's awesome and amazing and has some experience working with puppets and I was like what about a puppet um and yeah it originally or at least immediately didn't go over super great but um no full discuss like what the hell <laughs> so he has the writer of the film you know that must have been a curveball thrown at you pretty late in the process how what were, your, you know, what were your other options and how did you come around to it? Well, I said, what the hell? Well, a puppet, it's already weird. Our <laughs> film is already left field. And I'm going to throw a puppet? What the hell? But I was like, you know what? Let's see. You know, he's a director. It's my friend Wells. Like, let's see. And I was so, like, against it. I was like, this is going to be too, too much. It's going to be too fucking weird. And then we met Bubbles and we met Jim. And when I tell you Jim is like, he's golden. Jim is like one of the most golden human beings. I don't know any other word to use besides golden. And I just like- A name Jim. like Jim. You know, I just like Jim and I was like, all right, let's, all right. let's put a wig on Bubbles. That was Slappy's name. And um, I don't know, I was drinking yeah, wine one day and I was like, I text Will, I was like, what do you think of the name Slappy the Slap Tiger? And he was like, sure. And I was like, all right, fine. I still wasn't with it. You know, I was like, this is some bullshit. It's a yeah. puppet. But I've come to love Slappy. Once Slappy came to life, um, once we had the shoots, we did like this insane shoot in the cold for like six hours straight. Um, Jim is, I don't know, he's just a special human because he went through the whole time. He was on the floor of Chelsea, like on the concrete. With his hand in the air, I have the pictures. He was in the park on like 15th Street or 13th Street, just in the dirt, like by oh. a bench with his hand in the air and with the script on his lap, like six hours straight, just like a coffee, no complaints, no food, nothing. Um, and after working with Jim, I was like, you know what? This is gonna work. I kind of like Slappy. And then I've come to love Slappy, but it was always because I trust Will and I like Jim. But it, yeah. I've come around. <laughs> I'll just say that. And he's the perfect, he's the perfect mascot for the film. People love Slappy. And um, yeah, I love Slappy. And I some, somewhere I think yeah. I saw in some of the stuff you sent me that someone compared it to almost like um like children's programming. Like obviously it's Muppety, but it's like the thing where like this thing is this Muppet's gonna teach you something. 
which I thought that was, I didn't think of it when I was watching it, but when I read that, I'm like, oh, that is really smart. You know, that's, that's brilliant. You know, that's, especially when like stickers, which is something that we fell in love with as kids and Cutter sort of never didn't fall in love with. Like I was, all, the other day, I have this file cabinet here where I peel all the stickers off of like my new records that I get and I put it all on that. And in this that box, I found the wrapper from my Beck Odelay CD that I bought when it came out in 1996 and the sticker was still on it. And I got it off perfectly. I was so happy. <laughs> it's like my my OCD is just like so excited. My ADHD is pumped up. Something colorful to look at. It's just, you know. But let's talk about um, Shepard Ferry. You know, he's one of, you know, if there's only a few artists of our time that will be remembered, you know, it will be the Shepard Ferries. It'll be the Banksy. How do you get somebody of that magnitude in your film? I mean, he, he did the Hope Obama um, poster for those who, who don't remember. And he's just... Obviously, you know, he's, I'm a Northeast guy. He's an absolute icon. How did that all come about? I don't even know if I remember. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you answer that one because yeah, I, I, I vaguely mean, kind of remember. Yeah, I'll keep it brief. So um, Will asked me to come up with a list of people that we would like in the film and that is another story, but we did. We came up with the list and then left room for people that are not as known because we wanted to be a mix of very well-known popular artists and artists that are more local um, that people can discover, just like how it is on the street. And so Obey Shepherd Ferry was at the top of the list. And um we did our interview with Dave Tu. He was our second interview. And Dave Tu happens to be very good friends with Shepard and just put the word in. And um, that's how we got Shepard in the film. You know, he uh, he said yes. And he allowed us to travel to Cali. So that's what we did um, and interview him in his studio. And it was great. And he's he's a really dope human being. He's been a good friend to us and a good friend to the film. Um, helping us out even by donating a piece at one point for our auction. And um, he didn't have to do that. We didn't ask him to do that. He surprised us with it. And he's just he's just a dope human being. And um, that's how he got in the film. You know, through, shout out to Dave, too, for helping us out with that. And shout out to him for saying yes. Because he said yes when some other people were like, uh, I don't know. Um, and having him in the film really did help to open doors for um, other artists to take notice and be part of it. Sometimes just that one, you know, you can make the best thing, but that one name really changes the entire trajectory of it. And, you know, he's, he's definitely yeah, it someone- it shouldn't be that way though. It shouldn't, it shouldn't <laughs> be, it shouldn't be. Yeah. Like, in, in the world of like now, I mean, I hate movie trailers now because they show you the entire movie. And went, don't worry, don't worry, it's gonna be great. There's the first scene, there's the last scene, there's the end scene, whatever. And I don't, it's like, I just skip trailers. But there is something about when you're watching an art documentary and a trailer and you see like Shepard Fairey pop up, you're like, oh, this is legit. It's like, obviously if he's showing up, like, you know, you hate to say that, but like it, it, it does help, you know, but I feel like your film would be amazing without it. Cause I, I it's, it seems like it's really full of colorful characters who have all different motivations for why they, it's like, I think a lot of people have never even thought about one motivation why somebody would put a sticker up, but really there's so many different ones and it comes from different places. And it's just, you know, I like the idea that you're appealing a part of society that a lot of people don't really think about. So. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he's been doing it for a really long time and has arguably one of, if not the most iconic stickers. I mean, minus okay. Andre the Giant. Yep. 
Minus Chiquita Banana. I don't know that there's been a more mass-produced sticker. I mean, and maybe that's changing over the years. Um, I would imagine there's some, you know, there's a few that could give him a run for his money, but um, that that was kind of his impetus was just like the idea of an image being repeated over and over and over and like what what the like experiment and reaction to that is over time and so i mean yeah it, it was a, it was a, a great get and we're super glad to have him in the film because um you know it's obviously an important part of the story so i want to talk a little bit about the project that i mentioned at the beginning um i'll start with strive um so strive's a movie that um Charisse, you made in 2019 um and it's available now i watched it the other day i believe on amazon prime and i was absolutely blown away by it it's um i believe in an 82 minute long film which the first thing when i think about oh it's 82 minutes like they couldn't get to 90 but i'll tell you like in this instance like every second like it's beautifully paced in like every second really mad it's the exact amount of time that it has to be. and i was like the way that you're able to like take um so much of characters are revealed just through these little moments. And I was absolutely blown away. I, was, I usually expect to watch half a movie and watch the next the next days because I have low attention span. I was all the way in and then I spent a half hour Googling after. So go watch Stride, everybody. Um, how did that movie, you know, well, just a, a short version. How did that movie, you know, change your trajectory as an artist? And, you know, how do you feel about now that it's been four or five years? Yeah, thank you so much for First of all, Soma, for watching it. That means a lot, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that movie took me 11 years to get to screen. Like, people don't realize, like Will was saying, you know, your first film, you have to really be passionate about it because it's hard. It is freaking hard, and it was an indie. And shout out to Robert Ripberger, uh, the director, who uh, stood with me for six years from when he first got the script. And so, um, yeah, it's just a story. I'm from Harlem. It's a Harlem story. It's a story of some of me, but a lot of the people that I knew growing up. And it was a story that I had not seen on screen. And so I was really kind of really tired of seeing the same things and not seeing um, myself reflected or the people that I know. Yeah, we go through a lot of hard stuff, but we also have a lot of triumph. We're very strong and very resilient. And it's not all tragic and death. I mean, it's part of life, but we we do other things <laughs> besides sell drugs and and die. <laughs> like we right. do other stuff. And so I I really wanted to show um that side of my experience, that the experience of so many people I know. And so that's how that came about. It took a long time, but afterwards it opened up so many doors, including sticker movie. Like Will reached out to me because he heard about Strive and the work I was doing. And so it's opened doors for so many other things. So I'm really grateful for it. And thank you for watching. I really appreciate that. I mean, this is as someone before, like I mentioned, I went to film school. I worked a little bit in the film industry, like in the very beginning. We had a little film, film, film production company in New York City. So I know a little bit about film production. And one thing I thought about watching that is Danny Glover is in the film. And this is what I know about film production. I'm sure you had him for a very limited amount of time. Um, you guys got everything you could possibly, like I assume you probably had him for a day or two. You got every ounce of Danny Glover you could out of him because he brought it in every scene. Everything you gave him to say was perfect. And I was like, well done. Just from, like, yeah. 
<laughs> he once ran over my ex-girlfriend's um, foot with a suitcase in the San Diego airport. And he couldn't have been nicer. He could not have been nicer about apologizing. Oh, so. okay. Because <laughs> he's sweet. He's a sweet man. Um, okay, good. I'm glad you had a good experience. But um, but yeah, that so is a good, yeah. That is a good question. I'm curious. How many days did you shoot with Danny Glover? Do you remember? So the shoots with Danny Glover were not in New York. So I was not part of those shoots. Um, so the people who really, really know know that we were not in New York for the whole for the it whole. It looks thing. so. It blends really well, though. It all like it hadn't even occurred to me that it could have been done. It all fills. You know, fits nice. Yeah. So um, we were able to secure him, but flying him to New York and all that stuff um, was beyond the scope. And so, yeah, some of some of the scenes were shot in Cali, and some of the scenes were shot in New York. So the other thing I, I, I when I did my research after um the lead actress is Joy Campbell is that her name Yes Joy Scott Yes is <laughs> she's she's forty four years old correct Now I don't mean to be calling people out because I I tried to find out how old her mother well. was but I looked it up and I was like she's older than me and she's playing well. a seventeen year old No seriously it doesn't crack Okay she No at all she, I was like I didn't even I, had any, I was I assumed she wasn't seventeen but it didn't occur to me. So after I was like, wow, she really, it it's was, like, it's, it's hard acting. Like it's, it's a hell of a performance. It's a thing though. It's a thing because some people knew her real age and were like, how is this going to work? One person actually quit before production. They're like, this isn't going to work. It and works. it works. I mean, I'm, I'll be I'll be 40, excuse me. I'm 39. I'll be 40 next year. And like, I mean, it doesn't crack. Listen, it works. And Joy Starr is incredible. She's a award-winning uh, singer-songwriter. She's part of the Campbell family. They've written songs and produced for Kanye to. Marry oh, that Campbell family. <laughs> yeah, her family is dope, and she is beyond dope, and she's perfect for the role. When she auditioned, she sent me a um a video message. I'll never forget on her cell phone. Like, hi, Sherry. She's like, I would love to be Kalani, and I was like. That's Kalani. She was Kalani so much that she went to film in one of my friends' home, that opening scene in their house. And the mother thought that was me. And I was like, I'm not there. That's Joy Star. But she was perfect for it. No one knows her real age unless you Google. Sorry, I can't bleep that out. But um, but the thing is, no, no, like, no, that's fine. Keep it. She's gonna watch this. But I'll send it to her. <laughs> what was like so perfect about it though was that like I, I don't want to give too much away because I think people should watch it and sort of appreciate it. But there was a moment in like just look, not to get too much away. She's sort of um an adult. She has to be an adult at, at an age younger than she really should be. And so in a way that really works that she is really like um, metaphorically an adult in a child's body. So it all sort of, I think, adds to it thematically. Like I said, there was never one point in the movie where I go, she looks, you know, I it never occurred to me that she, I thought maybe she's like early twenties or something, but um, amazing, just in a really amazing movie. And I'll say too, the ending of that film, and I'm not going to give it away, it's the whole movie is so tightly paced, but the ending has some room to breathe and you earned that ending so much. Like that ending has to be earned to work and you absolutely earned it. And I was, I was like, yeah, I probably would have. Yeah, it was amazing. I loved it. So Ghost Watch Drive. It's, it's a movie that both feels familiar, but also feels like something you've never seen before. Because I think you pointed out somewhere, it's like you would have loved to have seen a movie like this. And it's like, yes, there are inspirational tales, but this is a very specific one. And it, it works. Every character from the little brother, he was amazing. I love that little brother. You know, it's, 
Yeah. Bravo. Uh, I'll make sure that Robert and Joy see this. <laughs> they appreciate. Thank you. So um, so let's talk a little bit about um Crappy Killer, because when, when she when I told her about Strive, she's like, if you've seen Crappy Killer, I'm like, this, whatever this is, I'm I'm ready because I don't know what I'm <laughs> and so I found it. And so talk a little bit about I watched it and in the end I was like, I'm not sure I know exactly what that was, but I loved it. And the music was amazing. So how would you describe that to people who aren't familiar with um Crappy Killer? Well, okay, so um it's a good question um because it, it, it's all over the place because crappy killer is all over the place um, is it crappy killer because it's that i was trying it's, to it's it's crappy a lot of people say crappy i think it depends on where you're from but crappy is how he says it and like crappy i believe is how you say the fish um oh. but i you know i i think you won't get scolded either way i i, I would assume um but I, I had done an earlier project with him and his brother and his brother's name's Westbred Diamond. Um, and it was like, if you, I think it's on YouTube, how fishing saved my life and it's their story. And after we did that, he loved that project so much that he was like, I really want to do a documentary about this skin condition that I have. And it's this super rare skin condition called hydronite hydronitis suprativa it's very hard to say um so he he wanted to do it but he was like i don't want it to be like a boring science documentary he was like i kind of just want it to be like a glimpse of this is a part of my life that i'm dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis and he's and he does he's all over the place because he, he'll go hang out with like cat williams and um, you know, Slink Johnson, who is Black Jesus, he'll hang out with him. And for a it's, while, I, like I had seen Black Jesus before, and I was like, wait a minute, what's he doing here? Right, right. So for a while they were doing things where they would like go fishing with like kind of celebrities. Um, so he kind of like is friends with a number of these guys, but um so so Crappy Kill of the movie was like we shot it all in three days. Um, and it's, you know, uh, there's a lot going on there because, um, you know, he's a cannabis advocate. He um, is is religious and he does these outdoors kind of uh, things where he's like a, a guide. And I think even now he's has like a crappy killer jig where it's like a, you know, like a lure that he's worked with another guy and designed. Um, but that long story short, the movie is all over the place because he's all over the place. And that's kind of what he wanted. Um, and it's, it's like, it's like I said, I, I didn't know what I watched, but I loved every minute of it. I would have watched another one. I was like, where's episode two? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, the main thing was like, if we're going to do this, it has to be entertaining. Like, that was like, if we're going to do it, it has to be entertaining. And so that was kind of our goal from the get go is like, we'll, we'll, we'll look at Hydronitis Supertiva. I'm butchering saying that I'm doing my best, but we'll look at it. We'll show what you go through. People can learn about it. 
Um, but we'll also kind of show the other fun, entertaining aspects of your life alongside that to kind of bring it all together and and make your story a movie. Was it a pain trying to shoot in a weed dispensary? Because I feel like, like especially maybe because I live in Massachusetts, everything is a, is a pain in the ass at weed dispensaries where they like no cameras and get this um, Almost everything we did was pretty guerrilla style <laughs> but but the the dispensary they, they probably know him it. pretty well at this point based upon yeah. how much weed it seems like he smokes <laughs> yeah and there's like even things that like slink slink johnson does that are like huge no-nos where you like he reaches over the counter yeah. and grabs a jar of weed and it's like you're not ever supposed to do that oh um, wait that guy's black jesus yeah, that's oh, like I didn't beat that together. Too <laughs> I, I will admit, I I had um grabbed a little bit from that jar myself before I watched it. That, so. yes. Well, that that would be that would be the way we would want you to watch that. So I'm <laughs> glad you did that. Um, yeah, he's also like the voice of uh, the main character in Grand Theft Auto as well. Oh, is he? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's an interesting guy. He used to tour with too short back in the day and it's so fun though that once you realize that like um once you kind of get through the the as an artist you can kind of break through a little bit to like okay i've met some people that i admire and work with them you realize that the world is pretty intertwined besides that and it's like if there is something too about you mentioned about um jam did the, the puppetry thing is like immediately sold because what a wonderful human being it is what a great person shepherd fairy is it's like being a good person really, really, really does matter, especially in a world where talent, I hate to say it, is a bit of a dime a dozen. There's more talented people out there than there are good people, I would say, or the decent human beings. And it's like having both is a really good combination. Very true. <laughs> so. Agree. That, yeah. Um, what is it? Oh, the music on um, where did the music come from? Because I really was digging, like, I was like, there were some drums in there. I'm like, I have right samples of the shit. Like, yeah, so uh, you'll appreciate this. There's a hip hop artist uh, that used to go by J Zone, and oh, uh, J Zone, yeah. Um, skills. Of, I read. I read his book a few years ago. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, and then J Zone basically decided, probably eight years ago, that like he was done being a rapper and he that. was going to learn the drums. So J-Zone made that, that, that move? That Dude, J-Zone is perhaps the funkiest living drummer on the planet now. And he's like unbelievable unbelievable like i read his book and i thought he was just done with all i, I kind of was like okay that closes the book on jayzo you know because he was just like fucking i'm done dude he he decided he wanted to become a drummer and he just like dedicated himself to the craft and like i can't tell you how insanely talented of a drummer he is now what, what does he go by now um that's a good question he I'm sure uh, online somewhere yeah maybe still jason I, I, <laughs> and maybe by his real name i'm not sure like gorilla beats i think is like and now like all those drum samples like you know you can purchase and he puts oh, yeah, out four he puts drum, out, i have all my drum break records right here yeah. yeah he puts out 45 still and he still puts out vinyl 
was, um, he was sort of a victim of, we talked with this bunch of the podcasts out, like 2006, 2009 was a really bad time to be an underground hip hop artist. Like, you know, CDs were falling off. Every time you go to a show, everybody in the crowd is trying to sell you. Like, I was like opening for like Onyx and Warren G and it was like, everybody in the crowd is trying to sell me a CD. And I was just like, what's the point? And it's like a lot of people, then the money wasn't there anymore. So you either gave up or you just somehow found a way. And he, I think he was a very, very talented rapper and he had a very innovative approach and a really all around talented guy. And I was, I didn't like when, when he kind of got back and quit doing it. So I'm so happy to hear he did those drums. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that was another conscious decision is like we wanted the music to like be another kind of character in the film that like was part of the entertainment and kept things moving. And so like most, if not all of the transitions in the film just have like a, a drum break on there. Um, that's all, all Jason. So one more question on that. So there was one point where um, guys were on a boat, they were, will look like federal agents or something. That's um, my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like there's probably some good stuff on the cutting room floor that maybe you know you couldn't get a signature for or something what was exactly was going on there that day yeah was, so right. so we were we were tied up to a pier and the pier was attached to a federal ship of some sort and so the guys that came out there were part of homeland security and so they came out and they had like, you know, fully automatic weapons, like carrying them out there. And they yelled down to us um, and, you know, slink and crappie or smoking blunts and like weren't phased at all. Then they were just like, and you can kind of see it in the footage or like, and, and slinks like fucking with them. He's like, smoke yours, you know, like, um, and I, I was I was terrified. I was like, we got to get the fuck out of here. I was like, we need to leave right now. And, and then, like, I think Crappie caught on. I was like, that's that's like Homeland Security. Like, these aren't yeah, like the feds. <laughs> yeah, these aren't people like you fuck with. Like, let's go. And so he eventually caught on. I was like, all right, let's get out of here. There's not the only thing I wish is that we had better coverage of those dudes. Cause like at first there was like five of them, like directly over us, like, you know, again, like holding weapons and like talking to us. Um, there's like a, you know, there's, there's a throwaway shot of them to at least show that they're there in the film. But um, it was terrifying. I was terrified. I was just like, this is, I'm ready to go. Cause like, I just immediately started like, picturing us in like some cell having to answer questions of like what are you guys doing you know with cameras on a place that's protected by homeland security and i'm just like uh shooting like a weed documentary you know like how do you answer that question um but like um it is crazy how quickly like um the weed thing's funny because there's like one in every hundred weed smokers thinks it's okay to smoke everywhere like, I just read Action Bronson's book. He's like, I just do it everywhere. He's like, no one tells me no. But it's like, some people just are utterly fearless about where they'll spark up weed. It's bizarre. But I, I, I'll tell you one more really quick story along these lines. But it, this was when I was in high school. And I lived in Houston. 
the ghetto boys were performing at this place called Fitzgerald's, uh, which is a tiny, it's not there anymore, tiny club, but there, and there was a tiny little wooden balcony and Bushwick Bill came out there and he was smoking blunts. And like, we saw like the cops come in from the downstairs because we're out in the balcony and they came up and they, they were trying <laughs> to get to Bushwick Bill and he had these massive, massive like 350 pounds like i'm not exaggerating security guys that just immediately pushed all the cops off the balcony so that he could run out and go backstage and like never never talked to him never touched him um we were talking about bushwick before you signed on because i think there's a documentary on him that i thought got announced for showtime a year or so ago and then i never heard could never find anything else about him but that uh, dude there was a, I think it's MC Search tells a story about Bushwick Bill that I just Google it. It's it's just unbelievable. <laughs> He's like, I was a big Ghetto Boys fan. The Ghetto Boys were um an introduction to adulthood for me because I remember and I was a little kid from a very small town. I, I remember going up to New Hampshire with my grandparents when I was like 11. And we stopped at like a strawberries or a stamp good, you know, I was allowed to get a tape. And I got, we can't be stopped because I, I heard mine playing tricks on me. And I remember distinctly putting that tape in and going, I'm not old enough for this yet. I remember literally <laughs> feeling scared in a way that music had never scared me before. It was like, wow. oh, fuck a war, that's how I feel. And I was just like, whoa. And then like about a year later, I put it back in. I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. But like, it literally was like, this was too adult for me at the time. And I remember knowing it. <laughs> and there was, there was explicit sex raps on that album too. There's a couple. Oh albums. yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. Yeah, and you're just like that. That album was like was like the door to adulthood's right here. I'm like, I'll see you in like six months. You know? Yeah, that's where like the parental advisory sticker was like, okay, I get why that's yeah. on there. Like, I had to settle like, for um for Pete Rock and Seal Smooth Mecca and the Soul Brother once because they wouldn't let me get Shorty the Pimp by Too Short because they told my grandmother it was an R-rated tape. But I'd wow. settle. I mean, that's an amazing album. It's like it's I still have it on cassette, CD, and vinyl, so you know whatever. But you know, so so let's talk a little bit about sticker movie, then we can wrap this up. Um, so the premiere is going to be next week, um, in New York City. If you're watching this the day this comes out, um, January second, January twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. The information we'll have it all over the screen and the notes and all that stuff. And who knows, the chance it could be sold out by then. Um, but um, so after that, you know, obviously films now live on forever. Do you have any plans for where the movie is going to go after this? You you want to take that one? I see you, I see you smiling big. You, yes, no? You want to take it? I mean, You're not ready to talk about it yet. It's okay. I don't know. No, it's fine. I'll do the brief version and then we'll... So I can't wait for this to be somewhere streaming where folks can watch it whenever they like and all over the world. Because we have some people in some very small places, towns, obscure places where we cannot get to um one of my favorite places to, that we sent stickers part of our street street team is Istanbul like it's like Slovakia even <laughs> like all over and so I really want people to be able to watch it um and stream it however um passing the torch to Will because there will be some select screenings all over the world which Will can talk about as well yeah, I mean, and those are in the works, but like we definitely want to do like a theatrical run 
to cities that have a vibrant sticker community and where, you know, we have an audience that, I mean, and, you know, part of our mission from day one is to really kind of put a spotlight on the community and kind of show all of the positive and great things that the community does. But as part of that, or, you know, in addition to that is like bringing the community together to hang out um, in Portland. It was amazing. Like the first night, I would say 90%, it was, we sold out and 90% of the audience was all sticker artists. And so, you know, it was like a party. Everybody was cheering and clapping and we got a standing ovation, but it was a really great time and just party vibes for the community. And so, you know, we want to continue, you know, a theatrical run to cities that have that community so that they can kind of celebrate um, in person with us. And so uh, we have a potential London screening. We have um, something potentially going on in Japan. There's talks about Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, we're lined up to do 62 independent theaters in Germany, a Germany or German theatrical tour to a bunch of independent cinemas in Germany. Um, as well as like, you know, we'll do a California screening, um, either Oakland or LA or both. Um, and there, I'm sure there's some I'm forgetting, but like, that's the thing. It's like, we're so in the weeds right now for like our New York screening that like, it's hard to kind of dedicate the just time and resources we need to get those things locked in. But well, those are on like the... the publicity you'll get from the New York screening it will dictate obviously that that's going to change things you know it's a bigger marketplace and it's I think this I think a lot of people are going to see this movie it's just one of those movies that I every like these sort of hip-hop adjacent documentaries I watch them all the time though I watch them multiple times all of my friends have seen them it's like it really appeals to like so many different people and you have these great animated characters and it's I think I think a lot of eyes will see this over the years we hope so that's what we want and i mean you know the again going back to the short answers our goal is to like get this you know to a place where as many people can see it as possible um and and that's that's our goal um, i can't wait to see the full thing i'm gonna really try my best to be there and just the more we talk about this the more exciting scenes i'm gonna after this interview go talk to my girlfriend about what our plans are because I, I really i'm excited to see this movie and i think a lot of people are going to love it and i think it's um it's a real love letter to a part of a culture that a lot of people don't even know exists and you know i talked a little bit on a previous episode about how like you know we're, we're 50 years of hip-hop and i keep bringing this back to hip-hop because to me this is tied to graffiti culture and, and things like that and it's like um, one of my the, my guests, Brian Life, who's an amazing graffiti artist from Boston, that was on previously. We talked a little bit about this, but has he's like, it's a lot of people coming up to my sister going like, why do you still do this stuff? Haven't you grown out of it? And it's like, I think a lot of people, they can't picture us still being at this point in their lives and liking hip hop. Because when we were a kid, there was nobody, there was no role model in that. We are the first generation to be like senior citizens eventually in hip hop. 
in adults in hip hop. So like being able, and I would see the citizens probably pushing it, but it's like, there, there weren't not 50 year old hip hop people when we were kids. So we get to sort of be a part of dictating what that is. And that's really exciting. And that's why it's like, it's so cool. Like the combination of the Muppet with this ties in something that's like sort of like, you know, street culture and vandalish with something that, you know, but it's still good hearted. It's, it's beautiful. And it, I love seeing stuff like this. It's well-timed for where we are now in history. And I think it's going to bring some smiles to people's faces. We appreciate that. And uh, definitely hope to see you there in person. If you do show up, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have some stickers for you. Sweet. I'll bring my own too. It's uh, nice. You know, and, um, and the, all the people whose stickers have sent me over the years, um, keep your eyes peeled. You may see them around me on the Western Mass area. <laughs> I'll send you pictures. um any closing thoughts anything else um i know obviously it sounds like you guys still got a lot of ramp to go left on the sticker movie and it's gonna have some legs but um you guys starting work on anything else or is it too early for that got some stuff percolating for sure always got things percolating we've got a uh we've got an answer to the what's next question but uh probably should save that till New York and beyond. All right, maybe I'll find out there. Maybe we'll have you on someday to talk about whatever that is. But this has been an absolute pleasure. I'm very excited about this movie. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's so great to talk to two people who are so passionate and just um, a lot of this podcast is about meeting people from across the country and bringing people together. So it's beautiful to hear that that's sort of what brought this movie together, and um, that's a great thing to hear. It's very inspirational. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was, right. this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Meet Anne with wings clits. Quick to flip manuscripts. Cause her man went from damaged kid to damn he's rich. But she still can't stand the way he manages to never put nickels in the can for the cancer kids. Plus he cheats at corn holding rags that he won. So she lost interest like porno after she comes. My DM started jingling baby as it was done. Two seconds later I can hear the snapping of her gums. She calls me half Dodge Challenger, half Lip Gallagher. I'm happy that I luckily sat next to her in algebra. I try to hold her down, but I just couldn't balance her between the million meetings that I keep in my calendar. Plus, odds aren't too sloppy that I know why my cell is blowing up, probably, but I should check just as well. Call the cops, see if I can get a hold and tell if that's copyrights yell, raising hell inside the holding cell. Table, we take charge. I got a style you can make love.